The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IAMS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Near-death experiencers typically report that after their heart stops beating and their soul leaves their body, that they carry with them the same intelligence, the same memories, and personality as we generally attribute to the work of our brain. But if during the NDE the brain has stopped working, then what is the seed of this intelligence? And how does the brain learn about and communicate the experience after the soul's return? Today's guests, husband and wife Robert and Suzanne Bayes, are well known to long-time listeners of this show. They have studied the phenomena of near-death experiences together for over 35 years, although neither one has had an NDE. Their research focuses on the phenomena connected with the out-of-body components of NDEs, especially veridical perceptions and other verified paranormal phenomena during an NDE. Their theory of consciousness, the mind-entity hypothesis, is derived from NDE and neurological phenomena. It explains how the non-material mind interacts with the brain in ordinary consciousness. They wrote the foreword to the recent book, The Self Does Not Die, published by IANS, and their presentation at this year's IANS conference in Colorado can be found on YouTube. Their website is uh, selfconsciousmind.com. Robert and Suzanne, welcome back to NDE Radio. Thank you. Hello, Lee. (laughs) Hi, Suzanne. Good to hear your voices. Yeah. Good. Good. We're uh we had a little trouble with Skype today, so I'm doing this by phone myself. But let me begin by asking where your research has taken you since you were last on the program. Well, uh we have pretty well, we think, uh solved the problem of exactly how the mind uh works with the brain. Uh it took us uh, several years to to figure that out, uh, and and that's what we presented at the, the conference. So we, we think that we have a pretty good idea of how how the mind uh, interfaces with the brain and how it the brain brings things to consciousness. <clears throat> the, uh, the, this has always been a fascinating thing to me, you know, trying to figure out how that how that works. Um, if I understand correctly, in this year's conference talk, you said the mind is the essence of the person, but right. also that the mind depends on brain activity. And I was wondering if you could talk a little about that. Right. So uh, the way we conceive the the incarnated human being is that the the mind, the non-material mind, is united with the brain and body. And and basically, unless we have something like a near-death experience. Uh, or some other kind of uh, spiritually transformative experience. Basically, we um, we are united with the with the brain uh, throughout life, and um, and so uh, there there has to be a way that the the mind you know comes to consciousness because when when it's united with the brain uh, and the brain stops working, we become unconscious. So people, you know, the certain uh, anesthesiologists can can give us a, a, a certain 
uh, anesthetics, and we are unconscious. Actually, you can you can just uh, you know inhale a little bit of uh, diethyl ether, which has actually no chemical uh, you know it's chemically inert in the body, uh, and you lose consciousness. Uh, you fall asleep and and you lose consciousness. Uh, you may dream, and that's a, another form of consciousness. But then you're your mind, your brain is working. So when the brain stops and we are still in our body, then we lose consciousness. And, and so we need the brain's activity to be conscious. And when, and when we are, when the brain is, uh, when we're conscious, we're conscious all the time in waking state, and uh, the brain is working all the time in waking state. So uh, there's a good correlation there that... Uh, that gives the clue as to what's happening. Uh, in order to be conscious, you need the brain's activity. Well, the brain is physical and electrical and chemical, but when you think of the mind, it seems to be a spiritual concept, and yet uh, they, you're talking about their intercommunication uh, all the time. And you, and you did mention, I think in your talk, the term intuition. I was right. wondering how that, how that would, uh, how the two actually how, what, it, what is intuition? I guess that's the question I, I'm asking. Right. Okay. Well, first of all, there is interaction, even though, um, you know, it's hard to conceive how that is, but there is interaction because even in the NDE, there's interaction with uh, when you're, when the person is, uh, their locus of consciousness is in the physical world, they still perceive through, through light waves and sound waves and, uh, and actually have an interaction if they pass through a solid object like a wall they have a, they have a subtle interaction with the with the physical uh, material objects but there's um, intuition is is the mind side of of bringing something to consciousness in other words um, when we when we perceive something we we have uh, the senses you know uh, visual or auditory tactile senses uh, and we then have a perception and there's a two stage process the first first stage is to have what we call the percept uh, so you see something and initially it is a, a, a jumble of unrelated things and then immediately the mind puts on uh, uh, has the intuition of what it is you're seeing, and you have uh, almost instantly you recognize or you uh, cognize what it is that you're seeing. So you see an object, and you know it's a book. So, um, but that's a two-stage process, and we we give an example in the talk of a, of a what we call a hidden figure. Um, which uh, ordinarily to most people looks like just a bunch of blotches of black and white and uh, makes no sense at all. But it is actually a picture of a man. And, uh, and when you can get that, recognize that this is a man, a bearded man and so on, uh, that... Uh, you you get the concept and then you perceive it um, fully instead of just mm -hmm. meaningless blotches and so so that that gives you the sense of okay there's two stages you you have the um, 
percept, which is un, unrecognized, and uh, and then you have the mind uh, uh, getting the concept and applying it to the percept, and then you perceive, well, that's, that is a picture of a man. So, uh, so intuition is this process of the mind giving semantic content, conceptual content, um, to percepts or, you know, the mind receiving ideas, uh, uh, some people say downloads, uh, you know, just ideas come to you, and that's all intuition. In, in, the, in our talk, we, we presented the aspect of that the, the human organization is an unusual organization that we um, perceive the world through our physical senses, and then we have this other component, which is a spiritual component, which is this, where there's an organizing principle that cognizes and is able to bring the, the understanding, the intuition to what is perceived physically through our senses. So what you had originally asked, well, is intuition a, a spiritual process? It def- most yeah. definitely is. Yeah. But it's because of our unusual organization that this is how we make sense of the world, is through our senses, just the objects perceiving, and then the other component is the spiritual component, the spiritual activity of cognizing the intuition. Or thinking, yeah. yeah. Right. There's a whole um, process of maturing. When a, when a baby is born, the brain yeah. learns uh, so much very quickly. And um, and begins to learn how to process what it sees and hears and so forth. But why, if the mind is um, so much in control, why 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 aren't we born with uh, full awareness and understanding? Well, uh, in a way, uh, what's happening with an infant is is that the infant needs to become, needs to incarnate, basically, needs to become, uh, learn how to use the body and and the senses. So the, if you observe little children, well, infants, really, um, they are they are moving around and they're uh, also observing if, uh, their, their hand movements and so on and observing things in the world and, um, and with, with touch, with hearing, with sight, they are they are they are learning how to use their body, their senses, mm. and um, and then of course you know the, the child grows up to to a toddler and 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 learns language of course uh, in this process as well, and and then can speak and then you will hear a lot of wisdom. That wisdom uh, is was there at the beginning. I'm 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 certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know you you it's, you can't you can't express it. But then you know the the three year old or the four year old will will sometimes uh, recount, um, you know, seeing things that most people don't see and um, uh, knowing things that uh, you know they couldn't have known in an ordinary way, uh, having experience uh, memories of of a past life. So, so that wisdom is there. Uh, what you are observing is the process of of the little, the infant and the toddler and the uh, pre, uh, you know, 
five-year-old coming to, coming into their body, basically. Is, is, the, is the process of cognition coming into matter, into the physicality of the body, and it's and a, a newborn, um, and then on up through. There's different stages of this development of of intellect. And the the earliest child, um, they they're living in a in a world of pictures of imaginations. The the actual what would you say the archetypes of the spiritual world, and they're tr- they're the process of of the body. Growing is how to become a functional spiritual being, having an earthly experience in a body. So there's there's a, and so this 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 um, original um, um, mind essence, this this cognition that we have before we're born, is finding its way from really being in the spiritual world to uh, recognizing the objects of the outer world and how they relate to what they were born with, where they came from. Um, and, and, and the body itself has to go through a process of growing the, the, um, the networks of the, the nerve, nerve system and the bones and everything. It's, it's, it's not automatically you take your first breath and everything is there for you. It's a long process of different seven-year phases that we go through. Um, and in the earliest child, it, has, um, it learns through process of imitation and storytelling. So that's the beginning of, 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 of um, helping the child to have a healthy and not forget where it's come from and how to begin to relate to the, the world of physicality that it's going to be immersed in. Do you suppose that the um, mind has the capacity to? Um, let me ask it. Ask it this way: If a child is is autistic, or if somebody contracts Alzheimer's or has a brain injury, is there some way? Do you suppose that the mind could overcome that or take over for the damaged part of the brain? Yes, in principle, yes. Uh, uh, some some situations are really difficult, and autism is something that we uh, have a some I would say rudimentary sense of what's going on. Uh, but there there really is a um, there is a way, and there are cases where uh, an autistic person, a person that has has a severe autism, can overcome that. Um, it requires it requires actually almost uh, you know developing this this process that with uh, normal develop normal child development happens naturally, but kind of working around whatever difficulties there are and there and and many of them many of those difficulties probably have a neurological origin. With with Alzheimer's, um, the uh, well, let's say with with let's say with brain damage. Okay, first of all, uh, so one can have a traumatic brain injury or a stroke or something like that, and one can overcome those difficulties. But but uh, the let's say the technology has not developed to, to make that. Obvious and automatic, like oh, you've you've had a 
uh, uh, left hemisphere stroke and you've lost your speech, well, uh, we'll do these exercises and, uh, and then you'll be able to speak again. Uh, that's, that's, uh, we're not there yet. But in principle, that is the case, that we can. And uh, 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 so there, uh, but it will require, what, what basically it means is that the mind has to relearn where, to, where in the brain it is that it can function. And, you know, because we have two hemispheres and they're, they, they have slightly different um, purposes or focuses, so the left brain is, you know, is always talk, thought about as the area for speech and for uh, intellectual uh, abilities, and the right brain is for emotional and, and spatial and artistic abilities. And, and in fact, you can see this with uh, EEG and e, uh, um, that there is this differentiation, and 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 so there's for most people it is the left brain that is the is the primary focus because that's most people are you know work and function that way. Uh, but and if you have a left brain a left hemisphere uh, stroke of some sort, it is possible theoretically to uh, move those functions to the right hemisphere. Uh, but that will require, and it, we're, you know, the technology is not there yet. In fact, the understanding is not there yet even to begin to do this. And we, hopefully we can help with that. Is to, is to with, through brain stimulation and through uh, exercises, to move the speech area to the right hemisphere. Now, it, it happens that there are people uh, who have, uh, have had uh, severe epilepsy. And, um, you know, they had normal speech and uh, motor, mo- motor movements and so on, perceptions, uh, but because of the severe epilepsy, they could not be treated any other way. The, half of their the one hemisphere is removed. And mm-hmm. if they remove the left hemisphere, one would expect, well, nah, they're not going to be able to speak. You know, because and 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 probably they won't be able to think very well. Well, it turns out that a left hemispherectomy, uh, uh, and these are teenagers that are undergoing this. They still can move all of those functions to the right hemisphere because obviously they're now they can they can function. They may have some right right-sided um, weakness, paresis, but. Uh, you know, so they because you know the the muscle movements may not have been able to take over quite as uh, thoroughly to the right. So the right hemisphere has got to do both the left and the right side of their body, but but they will they they can speak, and they can uh, you know function and walk and so on. There may be some again weakness on the right side, but but that gives you the idea, the hope that yes, we will be able to do that, even if it's you know, we don't remove a hemisphere, but there is severe, severe damage to to left hemisphere. And then with Alzheimer's, yeah, yeah. okay. And with Alzheimer's, yeah, uh, Alzheimer's tends to be more global uh, uh, dysfunction, and and that, uh, well, it is possible if 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 the neuroelectrical activity could be revived, then then they can they would be able to be conscious fully functional, or at least partially functional, where they are totally in, unfunctional now, dysfunctional. But uh, 
but we find also with Alzheimer's that uh, at the end of life, so an Alzheimer's patient that has had, um, you know, uh, aphasia and 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 uh, motor movements and so on are are gone, uh, don't remember anything, don't recognize anything, can't speak. Uh, they uh, at the at the end of life they may have a terminal terminal lucidity. In other words, all of a sudden. They're back. They they can. Yes, they can, I've I've seen that myself in the hospital. Yes, it's amazing. And, and so they can they can they can speak and they remember everything, and they're very close to death. So usually within a day they have, they die. But wow. uh, what is happening is we think is that the mind has uh, loosened itself in in the process of of coming to die. The mind does loosen because it's going to separate from the physical body. And uh, in loosening, quote-unquote loosening, it is able to function independent of the brain. And yet there will still be some functions like speech that can can still c- continue. And memory comes back because, again, the memories are in the mind and not in the, not I- encoded in the brain. And right. so, so all of that a lot of that function comes back and they are lucid for a while. And, of course, this is part of the process of separating in the process of dying, and so they ultimately die. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could if we could provoke that to happen sooner in the case of Alzheimer's, for instance, that, where the mind could just take over and, and uh, navigate the person for the rest of their lives? Yeah, yeah, that... Well, that would be very interesting. That would be very interesting. But it, it would it, you, you, it would be bringing people to this point of you know partially separating from the physical brain, and um, okay, you say okay, we've done that. Now don't go any further. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you can stick around. <laughs> I I did want to ask you. Because the brain, you think of the brain as something that has evolved in order to keep us from, in order to keep us surviving in the three-dimensional world. In other words, it, it's keyed to uh, f- uh, fight or flight reactions. And uh, if you're hungry, if the body's hungry, it will pursue food and will behave selfishly. Right. Um, whereas the mind, being a more spiritual, hopefully wiser uh, part of ourselves, um, uh, it might be thinking more along, um, uh, more like a guardian angel <laughs> than like uh, a voracious uh, carnivore. And right. uh, it, do you see any conflict in that situation between the mind and the brain? Uh, yes, actually, um, yeah. You you see that with people that have schizophrenia or people that have brain damage in the frontal lobes. Um, is that um, the part of the, the the part of the mind that can function, uh, let's say, morally and and with uh, keeping behaviors intact, you know, in in check, so that uh, one's higher self comes through. That that still you know has to work through the brain. And so when there are when there are uh, brain anomalies or brain injury, uh, particularly to the frontal lobe, uh, that um, they lose that ability. 
and actually in Alzheimer's as well, uh, if it's if it's frontal lobe uh, uh, Alzheimer's, they will they will become belligerent and aggressive. Um, yes. uh, <laughs> I've seen that too. Yeah, and uh, so it, it, the mind so the mind is there, but the mind you know the mind can't cannot work uh, in in the particular areas. One one of the things in our theory is that the mind has to work in you know learns to work in specific areas. Uh, of the brain, and so in the frontal lobes, and particularly the, the medial part, the the middle two to the middle part of the two hemispheres, where uh, that where you know right behind what we call the third eye, that is um, that is where you could say that our higher self uh, works most, uh, the uh, anterior cingulate cortex on on both hemispheres, and um, and and that you know is now recognized as an area where there are these um, interior endogenous thoughts and, and intuitions that come to people. They are they that's where it they come to consciousness in this uh, anterior cingulate cortex. And um, and so when when you have damage there, then then um, you, you lose the ability for your to control your um, lower instincts. Mm. I, yeah, I guess I've got time for one more question here. Um, the uh, if the if the mind is something that uh, has come from the light or perhaps evolved out of past lives, why aren't the memories of what we call heaven or or the memory of past lives Come through uh, to uh, to us in our current lives. Well, actually, they do, or they can, uh, but uh, I, this may have to do with um, you know. For most people, they don't. Okay, unless you 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 have a past life regression, and and then you know. Uh, Usually, you have difficulty verifying that that is in fact you, and that there was a person back then that was uh, that lived, and so on. But uh, but th- we we forget about the heavenly realms, and we forget about past lives because our purpose is to be on Earth, and and it's and, and in a way we we're our task is to is to find the path back to the spiritual world, back to the light, in in our physical body, not not uh, in a near death experience. Um, that that gives uh, you know somebody it gives people a a, a, a boost. You know, the, yeah, a real insight. <laughs> yeah, it's like whoa. Yeah, I didn't know that was there, but now I do. <laughs> With the rest of us. And, and- and yet our mind knew that it was there. Yes. Well, yes, there is this intuition. Most people have this intuition. A lot of people repress it, but most people have this intuition that, yes, there is something higher. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. Robert, I, I'm just, we are, we're flat out of time, and I'm really oh I'm sorry because this is such a fascinating topic. Uh, let people know where they can find more on this, where they can find your um, YouTube and, and uh 
Right. Well, if they go to the, our um, our website, selfconsciousmind.com, that's selfconsciousmind, all one word, dot com, and uh, our uh, all of our uh, presentations are there. Our latest one is at the top there, and um, and that's all of our work is is summarized there. Oh, that's terrific. Well, thank you so much, Robert and Suzanne, for thank sharing you. uh, your uh, mind-brain research with us today. And um, If the listeners would like to catch this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. For information on IAN, check out that website at iands.org. And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.